0: Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. If you have questions, suggestions, and feedback you would like to share with us, please use our email service at infomillervillechurch.org. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Good, well welcome. We're in a series on the Word of God, and um, we're... The second one in the series, uh, last time we were talking about the king, King Josiah, who found the book of the law, and it had been gone for, oh, many decades, probably about 50 de- five decades, so 50 years it had been gone. And it was discovered, and his response was this amazing repentance, and his repentance influenced the whole nation and the whole nation repented and followed after God in Josiah's day so the lesson on the word of God is when we find it when we take in the word of God it's a call really to start our walk with him in repentance and to return to his ways so uh, we're going to move on from there today and look at um, some of the things that we learned from the man Joshua so before we do let's pray Lord we do thank you for your word um, which is true and right from the beginning when Moses wrote it down and gave us those first five books and Joshua believed um, immediately as Moses was even writing that these were the very words that you gave to Moses to give to us and so Lord as we come to your word we acknowledge that you have preserved it these many thousands of years for our benefit. And as we um, look into your word, we pray that your spirit would move in us just as it did in Joshua as he heard the words that Moses um, delivered to the people. So Lord, we would just ask that you would um, give us ears to hear you and that in listening that we are also quick to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, Jeremiah is up there, but we're not going to get to it for a little bit. I wanted to give you a little bit of background first on Joshua and to um, just talk about who uh, Joshua is and um, where he came from so that when we look at what he learns about the word, we have the context of it. So Joshua, um, first we open up, he starts off as a slave. He's one of the slaves of Egypt. He's young but he is one of the slaves of Egypt, probably at least a teenager, so he'd be working um, in the slavery just like all the rest of the adults would be. And so the moaning and the groaning and calling out to God for deliverance would have been part of his experience, but he was born into slavery. He didn't know any life besides that life, but he did hear the promises of God. And so when Moses came as the deliverer, Joshua was quick to really latch on to Moses. And this is something that is um, special about Joshua and actually is the call to us, is to um, link ourselves to those who truly follow the word of God, who truly follow the Lord. And so Joshua did that, and he really became a, a shadow to Moses. And so when Moses, um, you know, he de- he delivered the people by those Ten plagues that we know about, and then the last one when they left, and were um, they were making their way through, and were chased down and by the Egyptian army. So they got to the Red Sea, and the armies behind them, and the Red Sea is in front of them, and they're you know at least a million people, and um, no like they're caught, and they have no way to get out unless God delivers them, and so Joshua watched. As Moses listened to the Lord and the Lord told Moses, raise your staff. And so Moses did and the sea parted. Now this is not just sort of like one of the stories of the Bible. This actually happened and actually to the point where it would be walls, it says, that were beside them of water as they passed through on dry ground on the bottom of that sea. They passed through and made it to the other side. And the Egyptian army followed after them but didn't make it to the other side. The waters came crashing down on the Egyptian army. Joshua saw all this, and he saw the power of God working through Moses because Moses listened and he obeyed. And so this is what Joshua learned as he followed after Moses. So that's the kind of people that we want to hang around with, the people who listen to the Lord and who act on it, who obey the Lord. And so um, Joshua is learning these things. And the Red Sea is many, many times brought back as remember, remember, remember what the Lord did when he parted the waters. Remember the Red Sea. Remember what he did to the Egyptian army. And they're called to remember the mighty acts of God. And that often is the one that they're called to remember. You would think after going through something like this, there's no way you would forget it. But the problem is, it's not so much the memory, it's the acting on it, the trusting God. And so I'm going to ask you, maybe there's some amazing things God has done in your life. Are you remembering them, and are you acting on them, remembering to trust the Lord? So he went through the Red Sea, and then they were in the desert, and uh, Joshua was actually taken with Moses up to Mount Sinai. He only went halfway up and Moses went the rest of the way up when Moses received the word of God, when he received the law. And Moses wrote these things down, and um, Joshua wasn't with all the people. He was there waiting on Moses, waiting for Moses to come from being with the Lord and then go down with him. Joshua was there when they heard all of the noise in the camp below when he's on Mount Sinai with Moses And he says, there's a battle. I've got to get down there and help out because Joshua is a man of action. He's a warrior. And so when he hears that there's all this noise down there, he's anxious to get down there to help protect the people. But Moses says, no, it's not the sound of battle that you hear. It's the sound of playing. And it's not good play. And the, the word in the scripture Uh, connotes that it's sexual play connected with religious practices so that was the whole what we call the great apostasy or the golden calf affair when the people turn their backs on the Lord and worship this golden calf while they're receiving the law and so um, he saw that so he saw the apostasy of the people and their quickness to turn away from the Lord he also saw Moses plead for the people and for God to forgive the people And so uh, he saw the forgiveness of the Lord, that they weren't all wiped out. He saw um, as Moses then went back up and received all of the commands about um, the feasts and about the priesthood and about the sacrificial system. So while God forgave them, he then gave to them after that the sacrificial system that was established in Israel. And so that sacrificial system, which was the way for them to come for forgiveness of sin, he saw this, and he also saw the construction of the Ark of the Covenant that was God's mercy seat, that God in his mercy would forgive. He has his holy standard, but he also is one to forgive. And so Joshua sees all these things, and then he sees the complaints of the people as they make their way to the promised land. They complain about everything. Are you a complainer, or do you get dragged down by complainers? They're like this beaking in the ear that's hard to hear, and this is what it was like. They complained about the food. They complained about no water. They complained about the heat. They complained about everything they could think of. They had a complaint for it, and um, Joshua's hearing all this, and remember, he's beside Moses, so he's hearing all these complaints that are coming to Moses all the time. But finally, they get to the promised land. Moses sends in the 12 spies to bring back the good report of what's there. And Joshua has a good report, and so does Caleb. But the other 10 say, no, it's too horrible. We cannot do it. There are giants in the land, and they will eat us alive. There's no way that we can go in. And Joshua says, what are you guys saying? Of course we can. The Lord our God is with us. He has promised to bring us into the promised land. But those 10 influenced the whole million people. And so they didn't go in. And Joshua and Caleb are part of it. So now for 40 years, they must wander the wilderness. And Joshua stays with Moses that whole time. So this is the background of this man. And so we have some things to learn from him that can be life-changing for us, to be that kind of person that can hear complaints from other people and not be swayed and brought down by it, who can see the mighty acts of God and remember them and act on them, to have that kind of trust in the Lord that we immediately obey without worry of the consequences, just follow after what the Lord says. And so um, Joshua has much to teach us about that. The last and final thing about him before we look at this is death. He faces a lot of death. All those people who were over the age of 20, except for um, uh, Caleb and Joshua who wanted to go forward, all those people died in the wilderness. So there was death all around them. They're, They're basically wandering until all those people die off. Because the Lord says they will not go into the land. It will be the generation after them. And so death, 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 waiting for everybody to die. His parents die. And probably he has older siblings that die. We don't know. But there's death all around. And then finally Moses himself dies before they get into the promised land. They're right on the cusp of going into the promised land and Moses dies. And it says in the scripture, I'm just going to read from the last of Deuteronomy. This is the chapter where Moses dies. And um, so the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Moses was a great leader. He was a shepherd leader. He pleaded on behalf of the people he had times where he was pulling his hair out from them but he still was so faithful to God in leading these people and now this great leader who brought them the law who brought them out of Egypt who crossed the Red Sea who never departed from them he oversaw the building of the tabernacle and all of the things that go into the tabernacle and he led them in faithfulness and it says in the scripture there was no man that was like Moses for God spoke to him face to face and so to lose Moses was death for Joshua to lose Moses would have been the worst thing even worse than losing his parents and so when Joshua died um, you would think that Moses would collapse in misery and say it's lost everything that we were going to do we can't get into the promised land does Joshua do that no, because his discipling was well done by Moses. Moses kept pointing him to the Lord, and Joshua has a love for the Lord God himself. And when his mentor, Moses, dies, Joshua is set up for real success. And that's what we're going to talk about, what is true success in the kingdom of God. And he's set up, and it says, after the weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses so um, Joshua's influence and impact on the people it's saying here was like as though he were like Moses now that's saying something are you like Moses do you have that kind of influence on others do you lead them for good or do you lead them through your complaints and your unhappiness and maybe your misery, maybe your sorrow? But Joshua learned from this man Moses. I just want to go back to Numbers chapter 27. And in Numbers chapter 27 is um, the commissioning of Joshua. So this is you know long before Moses' death. And I'm looking at um, verse chapter 27 verse 18 and following so the Lord said to Moses take Josh so it's remember Joshua has followed Moses but Moses doesn't assume that Joshua is going to be the next leader even though it's always Joshua with him he still goes to the Lord he says who is the next leader and the Lord confirms it yes it will be Joshua so the Lord said to Moses take Joshua the son of Nun a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him and have him stand before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. And you shall put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Moreover, he shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his command they shall go out, and at his command they shall come in. So it's talking about Joshua. Both he and the sons of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did, just as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. And so we see here um, the qualifications of a leader. First is that they have the Spirit of the Lord within. That's actually the first qualification, and it says of him that in whom is the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is the um, teachable heart that Joshua had. So it says there that Moses taught him, and he not only learned up here, he obeyed, which means it got into his heart and he actually took action on it so he had a teachable heart and he was humble before the lord we have some of the kings that come later said basically they ignored the priesthood but not joshua he was humble before the lord and we see that eliezer the priest like it's talking about him as the high priest is coming and commissioning joshua and saying that joshua you know when the time comes will be the next leader and Joshua has humility before Eliezer. And he's taught to um, to go before Eliezer, who has a Urim, which was kept in the um, front pocket of the garments of the high priest and uh, was used for determining the will of God. We don't know what Urim is or Thummim. We don't know what it looks like. It's long gone. But whatever it was, it was used to determine God's will for them, particularly of where to go in the wanderings, um, or in the, uh, when they go into the land to come, in the promised land. And so Joshua is going to do this, like we don't really read about that in the book of Joshua, but it tells us in Numbers, that's how he knew where to go all the time, was because Eliezer would show him what the Lord had shown Eliezer. And so those are the qualities of a good leader, of a great leader, actually, to have the spirit of the Lord, which means that not only do you have the spirit, you're listening to the spirit of the Lord, not to other people, not to other influences, but to the Lord himself. And we want to find out how did Joshua do that, because I think that if you're a true follower of Christ, you want to know how to do that. And so Joshua's going to show us how he did that. To To have the spirit within, to have a teachable heart, which means that we can be spoken to, that people can correct us, or um, influence us in a positive way with the word of God, that the word of God actually changes us, that we see things in ourselves that need to be left off or picked up according to God's word, that we see these things. That's a teachable heart, and that we are humble before the Lord. There's no shaking the fist at the Lord, that we have that humility. Should he decide this, this is what we will do. If this is how I am, Paul says, I will be content. In all things, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm free, whether I have sickness and sorrow, or whether it's a time where it's a time of ease, whatever it is, that I will be content. And that's what we see in the life of Joshua. So what is the, the upshot of all of that? I'm going to take us right to the end of the book of Joshua. Because it tells us, now this is at the end. He's gone in. He's conquered the land. He's taken all these major cities. He's left it now to the tribes to take all the um, villages. But Joshua has done what God has called him to do. And he has performed it completely, what God has said. And at the end of his, um, the record of, that we have of the life of Joshua, he says to them as he's departing from them and he's moving them on to a tribal life, He says, and if, I'm in um, 2415, if you're wondering, and if it is desirable in your sight, he's speaking to the congregation, to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Now, this is what he's saying to us. This isn't just to them, it's to us. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love those scriptures. I love those scriptures. But what Joshua is really saying is when he's looking at these um, these other gods, he's saying to them whether the gods which your fathers served, so he's talking about when they were back in Egypt and they were serving the gods of Egypt. He says, are you going to go back to Egypt? Are you going to go back to your life? So the question put to you is, are you going to go back? to serving the gods that he has brought you out of? Like you may not have a physical idol, but the gods of this world are not the gods that we so much see as what we do. Are you going to go back to those ways? And he's saying, you decide, you decide, you decide who you're going to serve, because those really in essence are gods. So you're going to go back to the way that you used to be? Or the ones that um, the gods of the Amorites—that's the place that they're going to. So the gods of this present world, out in our culture, you're going to be like them. Are you going to decide? I'm going to be like the culture, so I'm acceptable to the culture around me. Those are the gods of this culture. And Joshua is saying, it's your decision. You decide. You're going to follow those gods. There will be repercussions, but it's still your choice. Or are you going to follow after the Lord God? the mighty one, the creator, and the one who has kept you. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I love how Joshua has that servant attitude in him, that it's we will serve the Lord, not we'll have God do good things for us, we'll accept all his blessings. That's not how Joshua sees it. He sees himself as the servant of the Lord. And a question always for us is, Are we expecting God to serve us, or are we here to serve the Lord? And I want to be like Joshua. I so want to be like Joshua, and I hope that you do too, that as we follow after him and as we choose to be like Joshua, that we are influenced, but still we haven't answered the question, how? How do we go about this? How do we serve God? How do we face those giants? Because remember, When the 12 spies went in, there were giants in the land. That wasn't a figment of their imagination. There really were. And we see that when um, David fights Goliath. There were giants in the land. And there were um, people that were well-established. And they were warriors. And the 12 spies who went, 10 of them, said, there's no way that we can take this on. So they are a fearsome people, what they have to face. And so when we have to face the giants in our lives, What are we going to do about it? Are we going to be like Joshua? Or are we going to be like these other 10 spies who influenced the others and said, there is no way that we can change that in our culture. That's a giant. You ever heard people say, give up? Our culture is the way it is. We just kind of got to get through life unscathed as we can. But we can face those giants. It can change because of the influence of one person, Joshua, who influenced many. So the call is to be that kind of a person who's an influencer, who changes many because of the Spirit of God at work. So now we can get to Joshua, verses 1 to 9 of the first chapter. And this is right after uh, Deuteronomy 34, where Moses died. Now it came about, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. So they're right on the Jordan River bank, and they're going to cross over. Listen to this promise. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. And if you were to map that out, that's 300,000 square miles. Wow. Now the sad part of that is they only possess 30,000 one-tenth, and I, I just think, wow, that's for us. The territory the Lord has given to us is the world. It's the world territory. It's the world. It's not just a small area. It is the world. He said, go out into all the world and make disciples. He told us to do this. And so that's what we are called to do in every nook and cranny, down in the valleys, up in the mountains, in Banff and beyond. That's our job to do that. And the Lord says, every place where the sole of your foot shall tread, I will give to you. But he does have a requirement and we need to know what it is. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, wow, I will be with you. That's for you. Just as God has been with Moses, he will be with you. Wow, I will not fail you or forsake you. In those two verses or three verses, we have these four promises. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given you. No man will be able to stand before you. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will never fail nor forsake you. Those are promises for us to cling to. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Here it is to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So there's a stipulation. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what do we say about Joshua? He, was, he had a teachable heart, but when he heard, he obeyed. The very next verse, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days, you were to cross this Jordan to go to possess the land. So he had that confidence, and he said, he didn't wait around and say, well, I'm I'm just waiting to hear from the Lord as to when. It was the Lord spoke, and now he moves. And he says, in three days, we are crossing. In three days, we will begin possessing the land, the land of the giants, the land of the fearsome enemies. We will possess it. He had that confidence, not in him, but in the Lord. And how did he have that confidence? How did he do it? And I'm reminded always of this um, verse in uh, Zechariah 4:6: Not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what he spoke to Zerubbabel, but it's also what he speaks to us. It's not by might, it's not by my strength, it's not by my personal influence. It's by the spirit of God. That's how. That's how Joshua did it, and so um, the result was that he said that God promised that he would have um, that he would be prosperous and he would have success. Now I want to talk about those two words because I think these are very misinterpreted in the Christian culture many times. I have heard it, and I'm sure you have too, that where it has said if you are not prosperous. If you don't have money, if life isn't going smoothly for you, then God is not with you. And there are Christians who teach that. That is not what these words mean. That is not what it's saying. But they take these scriptures and they look look at it very thinly. They don't go down deep into the understanding of those words. And so for us to teach that is to teach wrong teaching. And it influences people because then we look and we compare and we say, well, you know, they must be a good Christian and they're not so good. Or what's the matter with me? And that's not at all what the Lord says. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And what are are we told about the way? The way of the Lord. That's the way that we're looking at. That's what is prosperous, is following after the way of the Lord. And the Lord said, don't worry about money. Don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. In other words, don't worry about all the things that concern us because our Father in heaven knows that we need these things. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this is what Joshua was doing. He was coming into uh, the promised land, which is taking the land for the kingdom of God. And we have been called into this new life. The promised land is not heaven. It's not a representation of heaven. It's a representation of the Christian life well walked before the Lord. It's a picture of taking the kingdom of heaven to the communities and the people around us. That's what it is. And so to be prosperous is to be prosperous and being able to do that in advancing that kingdom. And so he says, and then you will have success. Now, success in our world means you're either um, wealthy, like you've had financial success, or you've got a really good position, so you've made your way up into a place of significance in, in the world's eyes, or maybe your family is all together and is doing well and there's no problems in your family, or maybe your success takes on even your health success but that's not what the god what that word means and not what god means when he says that to Joshua that word success is from the Hebrew word sakal and the Hebrew word sakal is insight i wish that they had the translators had put that in here but it's okay because we know that the world's ways the world's definition is never usually what god's definition is And so if the world says this is successful, we can go, hmm, I wonder. Let's see what God says. And God says success is knowing the word of God and being able to apply it in everyday life. That's success. When you can know the word of God well enough, when it's incorporated into your being well enough that you follow after his ways, then you have insight. You have success. You have the ability to evaluate, to discern, and to walk according to the ways of righteousness, not turning to the left or to the right. Do you want to be that kind of person? Do you? Me too. And how did Joshua do it? It says here, this is what he did. This book of the law shall not depart Joshua from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night. That word meditate is to process, to think about, to ponder, to consider. And um, it's the first use, actually, of the word in the scripture, of of that Hebrew word haggah. And so usually when the first mention of something, it's giving us the context of how it's going to be used the rest of the time. And so it's a thoughtfulness with purpose joshua had purpose in his obedience and so he's to meditate on it day and night we feel good if we can even just do it once a day joshua did it day and night it means that it was so in him that he's always thinking about it things are happening around him and he's thinking about the word of god he encounters somebody and he's thinking how god would respond to this So meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. There's something we have to do. Be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now one of the things that I love about um, this scripture here is it's an indicator to us that right from the beginning, Joshua knew that the words that Moses wrote down were the real, actual, true words of God. It was never doubted it was never questioned it was never well you know i'm not sure that all of this has been kept you know over these thousands of years Joshua believed it and here it is and as we have these archaeological finds more and more it confirms that this book has not been changed over these thousands of years we have early early manuscripts and we talked about this in our bible study last Wednesday night that lead back to just 100 years AD that you know, pieces of all, almost all the books, not all the books, but almost all the books were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they look back, and it's exactly what we have today. Very, very minor changes, maybe. The book of Isaiah was the biggest piece, and it's what we have in the book of Isaiah today. God has preserved his word. The oldest manuscripts we have of Homer are a 1,000 years after Homer died like a 1,000 years before we have a manuscript. Like we have better manuscripts of the word of God than have ever been. And Joshua took God's word seriously. And we can do the same. We can do the same. We can take this word seriously, all of it, and add nothing to it, but just listen to what God has to say here. And then we will be like Joshua, and we will be prosperous in God's ways, and we will be su- successful in having insight. So, um, and then he goes on in verse 9 to say, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble and be dismayed. Fear is a problem for us. We're afraid of so many things. I was watching a TV show, and this woman's running with through the woods at nighttime, she got out of bed and was fearful and started running through the woods. And I thought, I live in the woods, and it's really dark at night. I thought, what is the matter with her? There's no way I would ever do that. Because I'm afraid of our forest in the middle of the night, all by myself in my nightgown running through the forest. So, But we are. We're a fearful people. And we have all kinds of fears. We fear the future. We fear we're not going to have enough. We fear that um, the present. We fear that we won't be able to keep what we do have. We fear, fear, fear in all kinds of ways. We have anxiety. Stress is a huge problem for our culture. Why? Why? Because we haven't meditated on the Word of God day and night. We haven't apprehended it into our way of life. And so the consequence is that we're we're fearful. And God says it four times to Joshua. Just look. He says it in verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. And then in verse 18, the people say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do you think that Joshua had a fear problem? (laughs) Probably. But did that stop him? It did not. He went forward. Even though he was fearful, and God knew it, he still called Joshua. Joshua doesn't have Moses anymore. His whole life outside of slavery has been with Moses. And now he's got to lead this people who he knows, they are quick to turn away from the Lord. How will I ever get them to do what they're supposed to do? And he was afraid. And the Lord says, no, Joshua, do not fear and do not tremble, but instead be strong and courageous, be very courageous, because the task that the Lord has set before us requires it. Are you in a place of fear? Rejoice, because the Lord has has said to you, that task is before you, but I will not fail you. You do not need to fear. Because I'm not going to leave you, says the Lord. And you're going to be able to do this not in your own strength. Yeah, if you're depending on your own strength, go ahead, be fearful. Because that won't bring the victory. (laughs) But if you're going to do it by the power of the Lord, by the power of his Holy Spirit, then you will be prosperous and successful in all that you do. Yay, Lord! Okay, so I just want to give us some scriptures. I'm going to just go through these scriptures here because I want us to look at them. The first call is really, um, and we see this in Joshua, a call to obedience. And this is repeated throughout the scriptures. It's not an easy life to live the Christian life. It's not like just a snap of the fingers and everything is holly jolly and no problems. It's not like that. But let's see what we're called to. So the first one is um, Jeremiah. 7.23, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and you will walk in all the way which I command you that it may be well with you. So we're called to obey the command of the Lord. Leviticus 20.26, thus you are to be holy to me. That means set apart, different from the culture around you. Think about what that culture is like. Are you different? And not just being a loving person. Like, are you different in your obedience to the Lord? You are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. First Peter one 14 to 14-15 As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. What you used to be like. The gods of egypt but like the holy one who called you god who called you be holy yourselves also in all your behavior are we called to holy behavior we are there it is zechariah 4 6 then he said to me this is the word of the lord to zerubbabel saying not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord of hosts that's his commanding name that's he's commander of the army the Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth. When we see that, we know we're talking about warfare. And he says, it's not going to be by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In Joshua 1.5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. So there we go. That's our call to obedience. And God promised that he would be with him, that he would never fail him. But has God promised us as well? Is it just Joshua? No, he has promised us. So let's have a look at some of those promises. In Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Before um, verse 5, there's a whole list of things, and the love of money was the last one in the list. Being content with what you have. For he himself, meaning God himself, has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Where did he say that? This is in Hebrews in the New Testament, but where did he first say that? Where did God tell us? Joshua. And, he's, and Joshua is being quoted by the author of Hebrews so that we confidently say, and he goes on to quote David, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? the worst that can happen to us is they kill us. And we go, well, that, like, that's reasonably bad. But our reward awaits us after we die. Man cannot harm us when we belong to the Lord and follow him faithfully. John 14:1. Jesus says this just before he departs, just before the crucifixion. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God believe also in me. And Jesus also says in John 16, um, part of that same discourse, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. You believer, you will have tribulation in this world, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It's not you or me that overcomes the world. It's Jesus. He has overcome the world. And what he means by that is this age. He's overcome it. And so he's called us to now walk in it. Romans 8, 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Like we are conquerors. Not just a little bit, but we overwhelm. The enemy, and the enemy is the darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's behind all that's evil, and we are the overcomers. 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Like where we go, the Spirit of God goes. And we influence that place. 2 Corinthians 4 7 to 12. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will, will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And then the last one, verse 17 of that same chapter, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Do you believe it? God is calling us to believe that. That what we are going through now, whether it's tribulation, or maybe you're going through a time where things are pretty good, but it won't stay that way, or you haven't always been that way, we go like this in our lifetime. Sometimes it's okay, but sometimes it's very, very difficult. And the more we advance in the kingdom, really, the more difficult it gets. The more we want to give up, the more we're tired, the more the enemy says awful things about us, And sometimes uses even our friends to say those things. And the Lord says, do not be dismayed. For I am with you. Take courage. Be strong. For I will never fail you. And so that's what we're hoping for. That's what we count on. That's what we want. And in each of your uniqueness. Look at Moses. He was a shepherd leader. Like He even had a staff all the time with him. He was a shepherd leader. That's what he did. I mean, yeah, he was the prince of Egypt for a while, but 40 years of being a shepherd, I think he learned how to be a shepherd. And that's what he was like with the people. He was a shepherd to them. Joshua, on the other hand, is a warrior lear- leader. He fought, he had to do the battle against the Amalekites. Moses is up there praying for him. And we know the battle, the victory, came through Moses' prayers. But Joshua is down on the ground wielding the sword against the Amalekites, and he's looking up at Moses, counting on Moses to pray as he's doing this. And when he goes into the land, the Lord says, these are fearsome people. There are going to be wars ahead. So Joshua is a warrior leader. He's not like Moses, but he learned under Moses. And so each of us are unique. There are things that God has made special about you, and he is expecting you to rise up in who he has made you to be in obedience to him and to his word, and to go forward, and you will be prosperous and successful, not being another Joshua, but being who you are by the power of his Holy Spirit. But what do you have to do? Meditate on the word of God day and night. It needs to be in our hearts. So that promise to Joshua is the promise to us. And the challenge that is with us, you choose today who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods of your past, what you used to be like, what God called you out of, but that you have a penchant for going back to? You choose. Or are you going to choose to be like the culture around you, what you see other people being like and you don't want to be different, you want to be like them, you want to be acceptable and then maybe they would listen to you if you're just like them. Are you going to serve those gods and be like that? You choose. As for me and my household, we choose to serve the Lord. And I hope that that is the choice that you make, that you and those that you influence around you That you will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you because you have called us, you have empowered us, you have equipped us, you have strengthened us, and you never, ever will fail us. You have never failed us in the past, and you will not fail us in the future. And so we pray that we would be a people that are strong and courageous, and that we would advance forward by the power of your Holy Spirit not in our own strength, but by your power, and that we will advance your kingdom because we walk straight before you. We turn neither to the left nor to the right, but we advance straight forward. And so we would ask, Lord, that you would take each commitment in each heart and that you would make us, in your ways, prosperous and by your definition, successful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let us stand. I'm going to read f- from Jude and um, just bless us from the word here from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities, both locally and abroad, and for all ages. We are a non denominational evangelical congregation, so all are welcome. Coffee and snacks are served, children's church and child care are available.